This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The first ship carrying grain exports set off from the Ukrainian port of Odessa on Monday as part of the deal negotiated between Russia and Ukraine. Earlier Russian missile strikes on Mykolaiv, a port city in the south, killed Alexei Vadaterskai, one of Ukraine's richest businessmen and biggest exporters of grain. A Ukrainian spokesman said Russia had targeted Mr. Vadaterskai deliberately. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, landed in Singapore, the first stop of a tour through Asia. Her delegation also plans to visit Malaysia, South Korea and Japan. There was no mention of whether she would travel to Taiwan as initially suggested. Chinese officials earlier threatened strong and resolute measures should she stop on the island. If she does, Ms Pelosi would be the highest-ranking American official to visit Taiwan since 1997. Retail sales in Germany saw their biggest year-on-year slump since 1994, new data showed on Monday. Sales in June fell 8.8% in real terms compared to the same month last year, larger than the 8% drop predicted by analysts. High inflation, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the COVID-19 pandemic have all helped to deter shoppers. Myanmar's military junta extended a state of emergency across the country by six months. The regime has ruled with emergency powers since overthrowing the democratically elected government of Aung San Suu Kyi in February 2021. Last week, it reintroduced the death penalty and executed four activists. Generals promise new elections will be held next year, though few think that likely. The government of Kosovo delayed introducing a new rule that would make drivers in areas with an ethnic Serb majority put number plates issued by Kosovo on their cars, rather than ones issued by Serbia, after protests broke out. Kosovo unilaterally declared independence from Serbia in 2008, but many Serbs in the north of the country still align themselves with Serbia. Hong Kong's finance secretary said the territory's economy had shrunk during the second quarter, compared with a year ago. GDP also fell substantially during the first quarter, as a debilitating wave of COVID-19 infections swept the city. Hong Kong's strict COVID rules, including lengthy quarantines for visitors, are proving a drag. Meanwhile, that policy's aim, reopening Hong Kong's border with the mainland, remains a distant prospect. England's women footballers became European champions, defeating Germany in a tense final in London. It was England's first victory in a major football tournament since the men's team won the World Cup in 1966. Viewing figures for the final are not yet out, but more than 10 million Britons watched the Lionesses' semi-final victory, a striking figure for a country obsessed with the men's game. And fact of the day. 10%, the proportion of the Russian population that has experienced torture by law enforcement agencies. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A nuclear free-for-all looms. The fabric of nuclear arms control, woven after the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, has long been fraying. 
The war in Ukraine may rip it entirely as Russia threatens to use nukes. A chance to patch it up comes on Monday with the opening in New York of a month-long conference of 191 signatories of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. The agenda is forbidding. Iran is on the nuclear threshold. North Korea has crossed it. Britain is enlarging its arsenal, and China is building up fast. The global stockpile of 12,700 warheads is thus set to grow. Splits between big powers and between nuclear haves and have-nots may prevent agreement. Many have signed an alternative treaty to ban nukes altogether. The good news: America and Russia still swap information about long-range weapons under New Start. The bad: the treaty expires in 2026. Follow-on talks stopped after the invasion of Ukraine. There is no sign of them resuming soon, if ever. Less gas requires more solidarity. It is rare for industrial assets to be expropriated in Europe these days, but because it has done nothing to fill it up, Gazprom, the Russian energy giant, will on Monday lose its part of the Hydach natural gas storage facility in Austria, one of the largest in Central Europe. Another operator will take over the space. Yet the change in ownership will not do much to solve the continent's gas squeeze. It may run out of gas next spring. If Gazprom keeps supply through Nord Stream One, the biggest pipeline providing Russian gas at just 20% of its capacity, it is unlikely that storage facilities across the European Union, currently 67% full, will reach the EU's goal of 80%. If the firm reduces the flow even further, or the winter is unusually cold, or both, facilities in some countries, particularly Germany, could run empty by March or so. Then the big question will be whether EU member states will show solidarity and share whatever gas they have left. Britain takes aim at dirty money. Any government serious about tackling money laundering needs to crack open anonymous shell companies. These can shield those using dirty dosh to buy assets, often swanky pads in places like London and Paris. On Monday, Britain will take a step in the right direction. A register of the quote, "beneficial" or real owners of overseas companies that hold British property will come into force. The idea is to force more transparency on those hiding behind brass plate firms in tax havens such as the British Virgin Islands. The move comes six years after Britain introduced a public register of owners of domestic companies. This was seen at the time as a global landmark in the fight against financial crime, but the lessons from it are sobering. Policing has been weak, with few prosecutions for submitting false data. The omens this time are not good either. Despite feisty political rhetoric, British law enforcement lacks the funding needed to get a grip on the money rinsers. Publishers' antitrust battle. The proposed 2.1 billion dollar merger of Penguin Random House and Simon and Schuster may reduce the North American book industry's Big Five to just four. But first, it has to get past the American Department of Justice's antitrust division, which will argue in a trial beginning on Monday that the two publishers should be kept separate. America's antitrust enforcers normally keep firms apart over concerns that their market power would reduce supply and raise prices for consumers.
But rather than base its case on arguments about fewer and more expensive books, the department will argue that the combined company would have too much power over authors' pay, leading to less fierce bidding wars for writers' works. The DOJ's tactic is rare, but not unprecedented. If it is successful, more cases focused on big firms' power over wages could be on the way. Wearable stickers to peer inside the body. Ultrasound captures images from inside the body in real time with high-frequency sound waves. Useful as it is, clunky equipment and clammy gel make it a cumbersome affair. It also requires the steady hand of a highly skilled sonographer. But now, as published in Science, researchers have invented a bioadhesive sticker that attaches to the skin. The size of a postage stamp, the sticker can take images of organs, tumors, or embryos continuously for 48 hours. In tests, the stickers provided high-resolution live images of volunteers' insides. That could mean sonographers may no longer need to be present throughout surgeries monitoring blood flow. But the real breakthrough would come if the stickers could be made wireless. People could buy them at the pharmacy and slap them on like plasters. Patient smartphones could do the rest, analyzing the data and alerting them or their doctor. As easy to use as nicotine patches, only better for your health. Daily quiz. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso@economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday, which actor supplied the voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Calamity Jane, who died on this day in 1903. I figure if a girl wants to be a legend, she should go ahead and be one. That's the World in Brief from the Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to the Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app to start listening.